With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. My name's Tom Cavilla and I'm today joined by Theo Squires and Ryan Patton. We're going to be talking through Saturday's win at Crystal Palace and we'll start with you, Theo. You were at the game at Selhurst Park. What did you make of it? pretty rubbish wasn't it let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really uh, do much for most of it like Liverpool knew they had the opportunity to go top of the table you think at least give us a shot on target or something to go off but it wasn't until uh, well, the subs coming on in the 74th minute that it suddenly got a bit of life from Liverpool's point of view obviously then seconds later Ayu gets sent off seconds later again Salah equalises and then you have these great scenes at the end Liverpool are top of the league gets even better on the end of Saturday when Villa beat Arsenal and Olivepool preserving it here, they're going for the title, you proper contenders. And it goes either way now, doesn't it? It's like Liverpool are getting very fortunate in terms of winning games when not playing well, coming back late. But is it the stuff for champions? We'll, we'll find out in May. Well, they are now top of the league for the first time this season, I think. I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah. And uh, they've come from behind again, Ryan, in the game to win. That's now 18 points. They've won from losing positions. I know people have said a lot, you know, that's the sign of a champion team. Do you buy into that? Well, it, it definitely is, isn't it? Because it always is a case of, it is a sign of showing that resilience to come, to come through in adversity when you're not playing well. That is a sign of champions. But then that also has to be balanced by just sort of having, having a sort of statement win and, and having just taking this, putting a team to the sword like straight away and not needing to sort of be hit with a setback to sort of spring the team into action. And that seems to be, what Liverpool needs at the moment is is they actually need to go one down or need to actually have suffer a setback for them to actually to wake up a little bit and 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 to put in a good performance because as Theo said, like the, the seventy four minutes before the, the Jones Elliott came on, it was it was dull, wasn't it? it was it was a, it was an old form from Liverpool, but like but we, we we Liverpool have came through it again, but it would just be nice to see not a similar performance like the like the Villa home game in August where just another another one of them where it's. Liverpool just go out and and it's just comfortably the best side and it, and it's and it's quite a comfortable win rather than you'll see that on Sunday yeah <laughs> <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah rather than these and it's like it's it's great having these scenes at the end like the the, the, the Fulham game the four four three and then and in the Palace one it was it was t- two amazing moments but it wouldn't like, it'd be nice to see just a just a just a just a comfortable one I think and mm-hmm. then and then sort of Liverpool to show that other sign of champions of us being comfortably the superior side. What is strange about this season is Liverpool haven't played well for the majority of it. They've got gaps on that side, whether it's they need another centre-back or they don't have a world-class holding midfielder. And as Ryan said, there's so many games when you're coming back there, you, you mentioned those 18 points, but they've still got the most wins. They've still got the least defeats. They've still got the most goals. They've still got the best defence. Like They are the best in that division by a country mile at the moment. And you think, well, if they are going to get a better second half of the season as they normally do, you, you do get a little bit excited about where they can end up but you do need that convincing performance at some point we probably are going to see it in the next couple of weeks like they haven't played anyone of note at Anfield that's going to create an atmosphere so far like Fulham in those last 5-10 minutes that was the first time we've had a real atmosphere at Anfield this season 
when you've got United, when you've got Arsenal and Newcastle, a League Cup quarterfinal, and you're top of the league going into these games, you're going to get a bit more life there. When we get into 2024, that's when you'll see, are Liverpool just contenders or are they favourites? Yeah, you mentioned the league table. I was looking at it yesterday and thinking, oh, they've only lost one game. And then you, you think actually what that game yeah. was as well. That makes it even worse. Mm. The Spurs game, obviously Liverpool, the Diaz goal. But just going back to the Palace game, Theo, um, you know, we've seen Klopp talk a lot before about wanting the five subs rule introduced mm-hmm. in the past, which obviously came in a couple of years ago. And we're seeing the benefit of that at the minute. You know, Harvey Elliott comes on and gets a goal. But also the switch at halftime, tactical switch in terms of Trent moving directly into midfield. Gomez comes to right back. What what did you make of that? I know you, you were a big fan of moving Trent into midfield. Is yeah. that... A, cl- uh, a change Klopp should be making permanently then, ha- just having him in the midfield? On recent performances, I'd argue yes. Like, he is certainly having more of an impact on the game. And while it wasn't him scoring a winner against Fulham and getting assists or anything in this one, he was a lot more composed and in control compared to Endo. Like, Endo's had two great games in the previous week and then he's a bit lost physically. Like I know he, he was fouled for the VAR one, the call back on the penalty. But he was still a second slow to respond into these. He's getting out-muscled a lot. And it will take him time to adjust to English football. But Trent, when you've got him on the ball and he's in that midfield, he's like, this is my ballpark you're playing in now. He's just so confident and he's enjoying his football. You want to get him on the ball as much as possible. And if he's in midfield, it arguably suits the rest of the team. If you go to a 4-2-3-1, the players they've got at their disposal. Like Gomez is doing so well at right back. Yeah. Elliot, we've always had that debate. Is he a right winger? Is he a midfielder? He's probably a number 10. Not, I saw it during the international break with England 21s. They have him as that number 10, but it's a free role, so he covers everything. He has to get back. He has to make it a midfield three and defend, whether it's at the left-back position, the right-back position, wherever. So well, that's exactly what Liverpool want from a sort of midfielder. So he could do that role. We know Sabosli could do that role. You think of a double pivot, that suits McAllister, that suits Trent, that suits Endo. You're not relying on as many goals from a, a Diaz on the wing. Nunes can just be that main striker. That formation change could be perfect for all of them, but you don't want to see it set in stone. This is what we do now. You like the fact that Liverpool are varying it up, that they can start 4-3-3 with an inverted right back. Oh, it's too congested in the middle. Trent go out wide a bit, but then you can put him in midfield, take it up a notch. Gomez can come on and be so superb at right back as he has been for the majority of the season and strength and depth and attack in midfield when you've still got players who are injured there, by the way. They're all coming on and making difference in games. So you just look at the last past week. Uh, Endo's come on and scored a really important goal against Fulham Nunes comes on against Sheffield United gets a massive assist and then Jones comes on gets an assist for Sauer's goal Elliot gets the winner and gets IU sent off in the process this competition for places at Liverpool is so good at the moment and that's why they can vary up the formation and it's very hard to predict what they're going to do and it's even harder to stop it and Ryan as well we saw on Saturday Mo Salah gets his 200th goal finally for yeah. Liverpool 150 in the Premier League as well uh, not bad for a one season one. <laughs> well, I think it's when Salad is approaching these milestones, he's, he's, he's always very aware of them. Yeah. I think you, you, can, you can see he was chasing that 200 goal. So it was like, it's, it, it was amazing to see him get it. And yeah, just just what an absolute player. Just, just I was seeing the, the, the list of like the all time Premier League goal scorers and all time Liverpool goal scorers. I think it's been blessed to be a Liverpool fan and just be able to watch, to have been there for, for all of Salah's journey. Like, I don't think. You, you look at it, look at the company that that that, that he's in, in 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 that top five, and like that, like the, the, this generation of Liverpool fans have sort of been there to see all those goals and just and just and just witnessed 
witness greatness and someone just build this legacy that will I I, I don't know I I think Liverpool fans be blessed to see another player of his of his ill who who is able to get anywhere near his numbers at, at any other point in our lifetime. So the fact that we've been able to see it is just and he's a, he's also this game hasn't it? Like, yeah. I I think Salah I um when he used to be a sort of winger where when he would beat a man he would he would get past them and I think. Now sometimes I I think his pace has gone a little a little bit. Like, I don't I don't think completely, but there's times now when no when he when he has beat the man and sort of he doesn't just sort of do that direct run to goal anymore. He sort of checks back, but he's just altered his game to become this amazing playmaker and and, and to contribute in with so many assists as well. He's just yeah, un- unbelievable. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'd like to see him actually get, you know, that run in a defense behind. So we can see if he has still got that pace. Yeah. Because obviously teams know if they defend deep, he can't run and he can't get behind. But that's when he just puts his foot on the ball, looks up, and we're seeing these yeah, playmaking yeah. abilities from him. Like the pass rally, it's so simple. Yeah. But match of the day did some good analysis of it, where you've got those three players there. They've drawn them over, and they've created the space for someone else. Like he's a very intelligent footballer. Yeah. And while he's not necessarily beating players the same way as we saw, you know, the really good City goal where he beats yeah. everyone. Yeah. He's yeah. not really had a chance to do that because they're putting just two, three players in front of him, blocking the path. But he can still take this, create space for someone else, put that pass in and get the assist. And he's just a brilliant all-round player. You don't tend to see the foreign players, especially, stay at a club for that long and get up to those levels. I just hope that this isn't the last season that we'll get a couple more years out of him because as long as he's doing this, you want him at one of the best teams in European football, competing for Premier Leagues, competing for Champions League. Favourite Mo Salah goal? In a Liverpool shirt. We seem to be asking this every spot. couple of weeks at the moment. I'm pretty sure we did ask this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think I said United 2-0, just because that was the day you knew Liverpool yeah. were going to win the Premier League. But then you can also throw in um, oh, Chelsea Screamer. The Chelsea Screamer was amazing. Southampton away was good. So I'm not on yeah, the phrase on that one. Yeah. I think the Roma goal, the yeah. top, top left yeah. in that the Champions League. That forgotten a little bit because they didn't go on to yeah. it, isn't it? But that was a really good goal. That one. Um, I think Gorsty said the Champions League final one. I'm pretty sure it was Gorsty said it. Obviously, you're not going to overlook that. The City goal we've already mentioned yeah. when he goes past everyone. But you're always hoping that he's got one more big one. <laughs> City away, Champions League. Yeah. yeah it yeah. seems to be forgotten as well. Again, they didn't go much. <laughs> that was a yeah. good goal. My, my definitely is um, the, the United 2-0 yeah. because they're just like that, that sort of bid seal when, when it was... Everyone sort of felt confident to then say, "Oh, Liverpool are going to win the league title this yeah. season." That 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 was like the ultimate release of talking that one. Yeah, one person who didn't enjoy his goal, Theo, was uh, Roy Hodgson. <laughs> he was not a happy man after the full time whistle. What did you make of his comments after the game? Because you were there, and you know he was very critical of ev- pretty much everything after the game. <laughs> VAR, football, life, <laughs> retirement, <laughs> saying he wants he's had enough. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think the the red card was too outrageous, really. I mean, Ayu he stopped a clear attack, and then before that, he gets booked uh, for just you know blocking the play. Yeah. So uh, I didn't think it was too harsh, really. I mean, and what were your thoughts on his comments after uh, the game? Hodgson's he's a manager under pressure. Like, is it one win in nine now for yeah. Crystal Palace? 
And it means a little bit more to him because it's his club. It's where he grew up. He's had this second chance to go back. He's like semi-retired a couple of times and come out of it. I, for it to mean so much to him, you can see why he's getting frustrated. And it, was it the best transfer window for them as well? You expect a bit more from Palace. Uh, I agree with you in terms of the red card. There wasn't really much you can dispute there. Like the second one is a foul. You were already on a booking. It's a silly thing to do when you're clipping at his heels. You, you could say the first one is harsh because Van Dijk has taken advantage of the situation and just kicked at him. But he's still in the position. He's not back to where you, you're given that opportunity there for it to happen. Um, but Hodgson, he's always had a moment. He's had a moment when he was a Liverpool manager. Yeah. He always bites people's heads off when he's under pressure. He did it when he was England boss as well. Um, interesting to see how long he lasts in that job at the moment. Uh, you imagine the next retirement will be the final one for him. Yeah. And Ryan, I mean, during the game, it was a really strange game in terms of not only how it played out, but also the number of cards that were yeah. given out during the game. I mean, there was a number of them. I was thinking, how was that? A yellow card? Yeah. But I, I think there's definitely there's been a few games like that this season, yeah. hasn't there? Where like like the Liverpool Tottenham game we talked about before, like that that game was not a sort of ill-tempered game whatsoever. And you've done loads of red cards in it, and nearly every play was boxing. <laughs> like I, I think there is a thing of how referees re, referees approach the game this season is a bit different. They're a bit more aggressive with when the cards are players, and I think that is is a bit problematic because I think we've seen a few now where it's like two, two yellow cards and like. Is, a, is is that really enough, enough to justify a player leaving the field and going down to 10 men? Like I, as I, I think by by the rules of the game goals, I think I use red. Should, well, it was it was a silly foul, and I think when you when you look at um, what, there's an angle for the uh, for the second for the second yellow, and you see Liverpool are, are really on for a counter yeah. attack. So you think, well, he, he has prevented a, a counter attack there, but it's just now nah, there, there's so many times now where it's like. Loads of soft challenges and resulting in the yellow, in the yellow cards. I think the same in the in the in the derby. Ashley Young got he, he was he 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 done a like it was it was a silly foul in fifteen minutes, but he gets a yellow card and then walking on tight rope then and and the referee sort of has then set the tone for for how he's how he's going to ref the game. I think it definitely is a bit of a I, I think it it could benefit football to revise just what what is a yellow card and and how. The sorts of the rules of the game are implemented because I think we're seeing far too many bookings and far and far too many red cards and and it it does it does it does affect the flow of the game, doesn't it? I think ideally I'd I'd like to see less, especially when it's not when it when it's not like it it doesn't justify them going a man down. Yeah, there's no consistency to no. at the moment. Like referencing that derby game, um, Simicas on the same basis should have been at least booked. But a few times where players are getting away with it, but referees they seem to change their mind week after week on what does constitute a foul, what doesn't. It feels like there is so much pressure and scrutiny on them at the moment yeah. that they have to, well, in their minds, they have to dish out these cards to try and take control of the game. Mm. Like, there's going to be more scrutiny on them if they don't hand out a yellow card. Yeah. It's been given out a harsh yellow card. But, yeah, it's just all very stop-start. And You miss the benefit of the doubt. You miss the human nature. And with yeah. technology, more and more technology, you are going to lose that human element. But you know, for the offsides where a player's just offside and it's that, that that tightest margin, benefit of the doubt to the striker to give them the goal. Mm. Seen it at the weekend with those handball goals, like the Arsenal one, the Bournemouth one. Benefit of the doubt, we, why not? Just yeah, it's not deliberate. It's yeah. not made a massive impact. They're still gonna probably get the shot on target and score. And then with these cards, yeah, he's done one. Give him a warning. You don't need to send him off straight there, even though it has benefited Liverpool in this case. But it seems to be very robotic and. Mm inconsistent at the same time from officials at the moment it does need a relook but there's so much pressure on at the moment it's getting more and more week after week 
then maybe that's why we are seeing a few more questionable decisions. The discourse doesn't help around when it's like the it's not it's not it's not it's not a bad decision by any means to send Mayu off, but the fact that the the reaction from the pundits from Hodgson was so was so aggressive that I just don't think that sort of such a such an aggressive reaction to it is not helping sort of improve improve the situation around refereeing. Mm-hmm. But then maybe it's it's a manager under pressure yeah. rather than people asking how have Palace lost that game when they were in control for 75 minutes it's oh the referees cost them it's changing yeah. the narrative buys in a bit of time like the fans were definitely on Hodgson's side like the Crystal Palace fans they were saying it's called corrupt and referees are <laughs> scouser and all this sort of stuff <laughs> but yeah it's just what we're getting used to week after yeah. week it's, it's boring isn't it talking about the officials but they're the headlines every game at the moment well let's move away from the officials <laughs> then and let's talk about Darwin Nunez Theo um, that's another boring conversation well, <laughs> no we're going to talk about him no goals in seven games yeah. now he's still having an impact in matches when he comes on we saw that Sheffield United when he you know rolled in the second goal but we also seen as well his his lack of end product in a couple of games recently where he's been played through on goal by Trent played a great pass through and you're thinking right this is it he's going to score Hits the bar against Fulham, Sheffield United, season one save. Didn't really do a lot against Crystal Palace. I mean, is his form a concern or are we? is it being blown out of proportion a little bit or does he does he need a goal? He needs a goal soon. He needs sure. a goal, yeah. yeah. Um, the Crystal Palace game is the one that's more of a concern for me than any of the others. Like the saying is, you have to be in the right position to miss and you can never fault Nunes for that. He creates chances. And he misses a load, but he scores a load as well. Like the one you just mentioned there at Sheffield United, similar to the two he scored against Newcastle, where he's yeah. won Liverpool the game. And um, yeah, he should score against Fulham. They've won anyway. He's still making things happen, being this chaotic nuisance. But against Crystal Palace, he, he did nothing. Like there was nothing there for him at all. I don't think he had a shot. If he did, it would have been off target or it'd have been offside. And um, it's just how many times can you be offside in one game? You read the line. When Liverpool were getting these attacks into the area, his touch let him down or the decision was wrong with the pass. There wasn't enough on it. That's the raw nature that he needs to work on, that inconsistency. Like You know what you're going to get with Darwin Nunes and you accept it when it's exciting and it's winning in your games, when it's making things happen, even if he's not the one putting it in the back of the net. But when it's a struggling day for Liverpool, when they're not creating chances, that's when he's supposed to be the one that makes the difference. And when he's not... And it's another quiet day for Diaz. Salas was going through a quiet spell, even though he gets his goal. And that's where you need that something a bit more. And it's obviously tougher with jobs are injured because he's someone you can always rely on for a goal. We spoke to Alisson after the final whistle and he came out and said, sorry, Salas always the man. You can make the difference up front, even when he's not playing well, he will get you a goal. Mm. You can't say that from Darwin Nunez. And it's what, end of October, his last Premier League goal. He's not scored since the Bournemouth screamer out of absolutely nothing that, that one summed him up didn't it that yeah. awful touch followed up by this amazing goal but he, he needs a goal and what better time to come up like, you wouldn't bet against him mm-hmm. to get a winner against Arsenal or get a winner against yeah. United to step up when it matters but now it is seven games it is beginning to weigh on minds a little bit how do you rate his start to life at Liverpool Ryan because obviously last season he had a lot of criticism this season he's shown it in glimpses but I'm not sure of that comparison with Haaland when he first came in is it slightly hindered hindered him a little bit because yeah. I think people are constantly comparing him to him and, it, and, well. it's, and it's impo- that, that's a that's a bit of an unfair comparison well I think it, the, the comparison was natural because it was Liverpool and Man United uh, Liverpool and Man City sorry both, both went for 
a, a more natural number nine and sort of and it was interesting to see how, how that affected teams that hadn't previously played with that sort of striker but then Haaland's just an absolute monster and was going into going go, was going in, into a team that way and as in much of a rebuild as Liverpool so it's, it's like it's slightly unfair to have to have put lumped them two together but it's just natural that that would have happened I think Nunes has been I, 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 like like exactly what Theo said really like He's 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 been really good this season, and obviously they're really effective. And I think even even though he's been going going through this dry spell, I think he's added a lot to his game. Sort of it is all is all around games in terms of his link up play. Like last season, his link up play was a little bit non-existent. Like he look he he'd have a way he would keep possession really, or that that he would thread someone through on goal. Whereas this season, I think is I think his hold up play's been really good. That I think the way he's the way he's brought the other attack, attackers into play has been really, really promising. And I think. Like the over the last few games, even though he's not been scoring, he's still been playing quite well. I thought, I thought he was really good against City in terms of, in terms of stretching the play and sort of be it being a bit of a nuisance from a from a more tactical ta- tactical perspective. But like the Crystal Palace game, that was because he he he, he had an absolute nightmare. Didn't yeah. he? he was he he was he was really poor, and it was sort of Nunes at his at his frustrating worst. It was like Nunes from last year. Yeah, it, it, in terms of that, he, 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 the amount of times he lost possession was was ridiculous, and he was always wandering offside. Like he was a bit of a it was a bit of a brainless performance mm-hmm. when when it, when it, the the chaos that Nunes brings to the team it it. it becomes a problem rather than sort of adds to that makes Liverpool unpredictable. But I still think that he's not by no means would 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 drop him. I I, I think I, I think I'd, I'd start him again against, against Man United on Sunday because I I think that he's still I think he's he's due a goal. He's, he's still he's still getting in positions where he, where he's where he's creating where he's creating chances. And I, I think one he's been a little bit unfortunate. Like he was like the full money in the like, I'm I'm. I've never seen a player hit the woodwork as many times as Nunes. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't, I don't quite know how he manages to conspire to do it yeah. so often. But I think it, that will eventually, it, it will lead to goals. I think he will go on soon. He'll go on a run where, where, where he, where he, where he bangs a few in in, in quick succession. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm, 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 I'm sort of buoyed by by how he's developed this season. I think he he now looks a lot more like like a Jurgen Klopp striker and someone that can fit in this Liverpool team going forwards. Yeah, and just going to the title race now, um, you know, we've had that Arsenal result on Saturday evening after the Liverpool game. Arsenal lose at Aston Villa. Good for Liverpool, obviously, in terms of the table. Liverpool go top. City game, going behind at Luton. I was watching the game and I couldn't believe it. I, Man City were absolutely terrible for that first half. Honestly, so bad. And then Luton score out of nowhere at the end of the first half. And then City, and I'll naturally get two goals and turn it around. But what, in terms of how it is at the moment, who who are you more worried about out of the two teams in terms of the title race? We'll come on to Aston Villa in a minute, but just in terms of the two, which one sort of worries you more? Manchester City. It's always yeah. Manchester City. Like Arsenal, they've got good players, they've got a good squad, but they're going for the Champions League this year. That is something that's new to them. They are going to pick up injuries. They are going to struggle to balance or compete on both fronts and I expect them to fall short because of that like we've seen at the weekend where they can't get it over the line and I know they did in midweek against Luton but there's just something lacking in that squad even though they acted in Deck and Rice and they have taken it up the next level for a city they've just got that experience of they've done absolutely everything they've won pretty much everything if they get the Club World Cup it is everything they've got so many world-class players and yeah they've got injuries but they always come so much stronger second half of the season. They always come and win like 18 out of 19 games there. 
they will be there or thereabouts no matter what. The one year they haven't, they were absolutely miles off the yeah. pace. <laughs> They're not miles off the pace yet. They're, there's still something there. And when you've got Rodri in that team, they seem to always find a way to win. Um, with Liverpool, it's just you're waiting for them to get that next step. Like What's really nice about this Liverpool squad is they've got Salah, Van Dijk, Alisson, these players that have got the experience, that have done it all themselves, but then they've got these younger players that are just starting their journey. They're absolutely fearless. It's like, well, they are going to be contenders. They are going to be proper challengers for years to come. And this is just year one. It's like, if you, this is year one, you've got to take advantage of a city falling away if you can. And that, that's what they're doing at the moment. But it's still a long way to go as it's always boring. And the answer from the footballers, just focus on ourselves. <laughs> you can't worry Take about what anyone else time. do. Exactly. And Elliot, Harvey Elliot, he spoke to us after the game and he did admit that he had a little glance at these uh, other results and he was a bit deflated after Arsenal got that late winner in midweek. Obviously, this was before they went and lost to Aston Villa, but there are going to be so many more twists and turns to come. You just got to focus on what Liverpool are doing. And Ryan, what about Aston Villa? I mean, I don't think... Uh... I think a lot of people said they were yeah. going to do well this season, but I don't think anyone expected them to be doing this well. No, absolutely, absolutely not. I think sort of the the, the Liverpool performance against Aston Villa in August is a little bit underrated when you when you look yeah. at the context and now what what Aston Villa are doing. Liverpool that was one of Liverpool's most comfortable victories so far this season, and yeah, and I think we Emery is a really talented manager, and they've got they've got a really good squad of players, but you would never have thought that they'd be third in the in the in the, in the league and and with the 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 they beat yeah City, Arsenal and Tottenham over recent weeks. You know, they, I think the the proven they are that actually it's a really good side. I do because I just think naturally there will be there will be a drop off. I don't I don't expect them to I don't expect them to to continue this level this level of form. But I think they I think they eventually will drop out out of the top four eventually because I think the the, the it's the overconfidence that they're in. I feel, yeah, I feel like yeah. you the the should be favourites to win to win to win that competition, and I think that'll be where they're their priorities go to to what as as the season continues to progress, they'll be thinking of get of getting silverware rather than concentrating on a league form. I think they're still they're, they're a high energy team and they're not the biggest squad. So I think mm. they will eventually tire. But yeah, but what to do at the moment yeah. is amazing. It's just making me glad that Liverpool's trip to Villa is like the final away game yeah. for them this season. Like you know Villa are going to have dropped off by then. Maybe they'll be looking at a European final and yeah, they'll have a big atmosphere. But it's a nicer time to go there than at the moment when they're at the peak of their powers. Yeah. But they, they will drop off. They don't have the depth in that squad. It's the first time in however many years they've had to combat on more than one mm. front. But as I mentioned before, Liverpool have got that experience that so many of us do not. And yeah. I'd like to think that will make the difference for them. A lot of people have been saying about Villa as well. It, it raises the question about what Steven Gerrard was doing with that team in terms of how how Emery's kind of got them to do a theory on this. Yeah. Uh, which Aston Villa player is not in that team at the moment because of injury that when Stroud had to play him? Tyrone Mings. And Mings. <laughs> yeah, Mings. <laughs> Mings. Mings was yeah. the one whose performance has absolutely fell apart. And yeah. Yeah, Mings chaos in the back <laughs> Whereas the players in this back four, I'm pretty sure Gerard signed yeah. most of them, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. So like, maybe he didn't get the so. fair chance to leave. If he had his signing in place, maybe you'd have done better than he did. But he wouldn't be doing this. Like we're seeing in Saudi, he's not exactly having the, the best time out there. He, he wanted to be his own Jurgen Klopp. He's turning out to be more of a, a Brendan Rodgers. Oh, brutal. Let's <laughs> hope so Brendan Rodgers not listening. <laughs> um, just lastly then, we'll turn our attention to Thursday. You've yeah. got Europa League game coming up against Royal Union, Saint-Gilois, Belgian team. 
to get my pronunciation right then. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> Pretty good. Better so, than mine. Top yeah, of the I, league. I want Gilly, so it's <laughs> better than my offense. So, I just won Union SG. Yeah, <laughs> Royal Union. They're top of the league in Belgium at the minute. Um, I'll take your word for it. Yes. <laughs> what do you think Liverpool are going to do in terms of approaching this? Because they've got that huge game against Manchester United, which we'll, we'll talk about on a podcast later this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, not for today, we'll say that for then, but... In terms of Thursday, how would you how would you approach it? Do you think Klopp's just going to put a load of kids out, academy players? Is that do you think that would be the best way to do it? Um, it it's got to be a mixture, I think. Like Liverpool, so far this season, have been able to rotate for the Europa League, and you don't expect them to change too much from that in this game. Like it's still getting minutes for some of the the fringe players. Like Harvey Elliott hasn't started too much. He's had a great performance against Palace. You wouldn't be against him starting. You wouldn't be against one of the senior forwards starting to get a goal there but when it is an absolute dead rubber for Liverpool it's not for Union but it is for Liverpool you want to see some of the youngsters play give them that opportunity like Connor Bradley he's, he would have played a lot more this season if not for injury uh, I know he had the year at Bolton last year where he did brilliantly and you can say it's a big step up it was a big step up for Quanser and we're seeing how well he's doing mm. um, like Quanser you'd expect to start but maybe we'll see a bit more of a Chambers or a Doak uh, Scanlon Kate Gordon could make yeah. his first appearance in what 18 months for the first team probably coming up to two years actually isn't it a few deb- debuts coming up I've maybe some got player. four debut I think most of them involved have played for the team in some form it'll be like first starts or mm-hmm. first European games right if you look at the European squad pretty much all the players on Liverpool's Europa League squad in terms of list B have been involved this season there's only two that haven't so I don't think it's going to be too much of a step away from that maybe look back to the AC Milan game a couple of years ago where we did see a few more kids there like there was um, Max Waltman came Morton, Tyler Morton yeah. started Brabby I think played in that one as well but it was still Minamino um, Origi for me Salah started that like, Salah <laughs> wants to start this Salah could captain this one so yeah I think it's going to be a mixture of the two but when I predict my team in a little bit I'll be leaning more on the, the kids side because that's what I'd do if I was here in the club and Ryan, would you go along with that? Or do you want to see all the, all the big guns no, out there? I, I, I'll be devastated if both Salah's starting on Thursday. He should be nowhere near that starting line up here. But I think Liverpool's squad depth is, is as, as Theo said, we, we, we've got, Liverpool have got the players where you can you can sort of change up, change up a lot. And it still look relative, relatively strong. Like like Harvey Elliott, he plays on, on him for 20, 20 minutes and, and has a great performance. He, he'll be raring to go again. And the kids, Jones, only play for 20 minutes. Gakpo has, has, hasn't sort of been been playing the full 90 a lot so I think it, just having those, having those today in, in, in the 11s automatically adds like a little bit of experience and makes it not just a complete side of, of youngsters because I don't think Liverpool shouldn't be going into this game at all like like um, like, like the, the, the result doesn't matter at all really does it but I think it can be useful in terms of keeping players sharp and and, and um Given all the players in the in the squad minutes to sort of make sure that everyone's still up to speed with with because I'm I it's, I don't think it's going to be the most like hot temper the game where someone's at risk of an injury from a from a terrible tackle you wouldn't hope so anyway probably just jinx that <laughs> but um, but so I, I I think there is there is a blend but but it uh, the result doesn't matter at all so I think it, yep. it, the, the the focus should be all all on Man United really just get home injury free yeah yeah I won't ask you to do a team prediction because I think that could be quite oh, a let's task to let's do. do it let's have some fun <laughs> do you really want to do yeah, that yeah I can do that let's have some fun okay uh, Keller's in goal I'm, I'm sure we're all yeah, yeah definitely yeah. yeah okay Connor Bradley's right back Krantz's centre back 
I'm going to go Joe Gomez alongside him because he can captain the side. Uh, Luke Chambers left back. Am, okay. I, am I just doing the whole 11? <laughs> yeah, you're not the captain. Yeah, so Luke Chambers is left back. McConnell can be the six, give him a first start. Elliot and Jones can start either side of him. Yeah. Gakpo can start up front because he's not started many, as Ryan has said, and go for a goal. I want to give Kay Gordon a start. Okay. Uh, he just gets his comeback. He can go on the right. And then let's go Ben Doak on the left. I yeah. know he's not played there. I don't think he's even done it much for the academy levels, but he is right-footed, which I don't think many people realise. So mm-hmm. let's see him actually cutting inside. Let, let's go that young. It yeah. won't be that team. I reckon there'll be a couple more senior players involved. Maybe we'll see like Escanlon on the left or something like that. But yeah, let's go for something like that. Okay, and then just lastly, score prediction could be anything. <laughs> goals, goals, goals. Three all. Um, yeah. Union, they, they've got a lot to play for still. They can still get through to the, the playoff round in the yeah. Europa League. They can still go to the Conference League. They can still get knocked out of Europe altogether. They should be up for this. Um, it's at Andalette's ground, isn't mm-hmm. it? So I'm not sure how yeah. that will weigh in for them. Um, so uh, you wouldn't back against them winning it. Like If Liverpool go properly young, yeah. mm. you'd expect them to win like we saw with Toulouse. Yeah. So I'll say like 3-2 to Union. But okay. I, I don't care. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm doing it in the office. As long as I'm home for midnight, I'm happy. <laughs> and just no injuries. That's all I want. No injuries. <laughs> I, I'm going to go for... I'll go 2-2. Two, two. Okay. I'm going to say 3 all, but it could be completely wrong. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we'll leave it there for today's Blood Red podcast. We'll be back later this week to look ahead to the Manchester United game. Thank you. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.